Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Central Baptist Church. This is kind of a different way for us to do this. We've done this before, back during lockdown, but it was a lot more stressful and formal back then. <laughs> now we've been doing Zoom for a while, so we're a little more relaxed. If you have your cup of coffee, you're welcome to bring that with you. You can still be in your pajamas, doesn't matter. Um, we are going to uh, try to worship and learn together today, though. So let's start our time with some silence. Lord, thank you so much for this day, for keeping us safe through the storm, through the night. Thank you that we have this opportunity to still come together and worship you and learn from you. Um, even if we're not in the building, we pray for those who are still plowing and clearing the roads. We thank you for their work and um, ask that you will help them to continue to get things cleaned up so people can get around safely. And we ask that you will bless our time together today. Even though we're on Zoom, we're going to pray together the prayer that your son Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, Our Father who, who art, art in heaven, heaven hallowed be, be thy name. Thy kingdom, kingdom come, thy will, thy will be done, done on earth, earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give us this, this day, day our daily bread. Daily bread. And forgive us forgive our, us our debts as we forgive, as we forgive our, our debtors. debtors. And lead us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine for is thine the kingdom, kingdom, and the power, and the, power, and and the glory, glory forever. forever. Amen. Amen. We are not going to sing the Gloria Padre. <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody who just got here. Bernice, if you are ready with the scripture reading. Um, okay. Go ahead. Uh, the scripture is from 1 Kings chapter 8. I'll start with 1 through 13. Then King Solomon summoned into his presence at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families, to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. All the Israelites came together to King Solomon at the time of the festival in the month of Ethanim, the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The priests and Levites carried them up, and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The priests then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the Ark and overshadowed the Ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary but not from outside the holy place. And they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had, had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. 
When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. Now I'm going to verse 27. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Lord, my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place of which you said, my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. May God bless the reading of and the hearing of his word. Amen. Thank you. Mm. So it is uh, the time in our service without music when we would actually we would have announcements. Um, I'm not going to run through those. If you didn't get them um, in the email maybe send a message and let me know. But they're pretty much the same as usual. No board meetings this week, but the women's Bible study is meeting. Um, and so we'll, oh, also don't forget there's an annual meeting coming up. <laughs> this is important. So I hope you'll be able to be there. It will be during, it will be on February 13th um, during our family dinner. Now we're going to pray, and since we're in this smaller group and all together and not doing a formal worship service, um, and there's not a lot of chance for you guys to sing or anything, I would like to invite you to be part of this time of prayer. So um, I will start us off, and then I'll let you pray for um, whatever concerns you are aware of that are on your heart, and I'll wrap it up and throw in whatever you guys didn't mention that I'm, that I'm aware of. Um, but let's take a little time to pray together. Lord, these are the prayers of your people. Okay, I need the volume up. Lord, we lift up our granddaughter Mia. We ask your hand upon her and uh, uh, her visit to the doctors this week. Yeah. We ask that you would uh, no, at home. You would just bless that day and give the medical team wisdom, give Mia and her parents uh, comfort, and uh, just be with her, protect her, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 
Lord, I lift up my friend Leah, who I spoke with yesterday. Thanks so much for just a great conversation and a great catch up and a good friendship that has just lasted over the years. I pray for her that she would just really be able to rest this month. Please, would you continue to just minister to her and speak to her about what you want her, want her to do here in this next season of life? Um, I just really thank you for her dad and her family that have given her good counsel and for just her relationship with you that just seems so strong and so beautiful. Um, and Lord, I lift up to my brother and his wife. They've just had a crazy week and I'm sure they're just emotionally taxed and exhausted. So would you continue to meet with them, help them to know you, help them to turn to you in all of this and may they come to know you fully and truly. Um, in and amidst all of this stuff that's going on. Lord, thank you for these prayers. We also want to lift up, um, Katie mentioned Roger, Carissa, Sarah, and Yoli. Um, we want to pray for Jaden, who is uh, grieving the death of his father. We pray for you to uh, comfort him and put people around him who can give him strength and um, help him to feel valued. Please, Lord, help him to look for you in this time. We pray for those who are traveling, um, the Cherniskis, and also for Bevan um, on her world trip. Thank you for bringing Bernice and David back. We pray that you will heal each of them from the uh, injuries that they've suffered recently. We pray for Carl, who's recovering from COVID. We continue to pray for John and for any others um, connected to our community who are sick. We also pray for those who we haven't seen in a while, um, whether it's because they're sick or they're uh, Im immune comp compromised or, or because things are going really well in their lives and they're not in the area as much anymore. We lift up specifically Nancy and Pam and Ed and Sydney and Nicole and the McRoys. We pray for those who are grieving the loss of really significant people, both Jeff and Jim. Lord, thank you so much for Ron's clean bill of health and for Jody's mother-in-law's upcoming um, cataract surgery that she's willing to go through with this. We pray for your help with that. We also thank you for Jody's friend, Frank, um, his ability to speak to his son. <laughs> Lord, family relationships get super complicated. And I just pray for that one and all others um, in our church family that there are, um, where there are rifts or silences or things like that, you are the God of reconciliation. And so we pray for you to reconcile these relationships. We pray for our upcoming 
initiatives and events as a church. Thank you for the ministries that we have here, the prayer ministry, the Bible studies, the blanket making and other service ministries. We thank you for the people who are working on the physical building and just for the way that you are bringing us together. We thank you for our children and for the people who work with them. We ask that you'll continue to grow our church so that we can bless each other and be a blessing to our community and the world. We pray for our nation, our national health, and we pray for the world. There are so many needs, but God, you are bigger than all of them. And we thank you that you care about what happens to your people. We ask for your help and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, just a reminder that it's part of our worship to um, also participate by giving. When we, we Last week we talked about what it is to dedicate a whole self, and part of that is our resources. So um, you can, since we're not at the church, don't try to put your offering in the boxes at the back. <laughs> there <Yeah>. aren't any. <laughs> um, but you can still send in a check to Central Baptist Church, P.O. Box 886, Southbridge, Massachusetts, 01550, or you can donate online at cbcsouthbridge.org. Now, Barb, are you able to do a message in a basket? You are muted. Can you unmute yourself? Okay. Good morning. Morning. Um, when I saw the, the title of the sermon, it says, that's what it's all about. And my brain immediately went to, you put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. And I said, that can't be what she's going to talk about. So, <laughs> we have another choice. I have a glass. I have some matches. I have some food coloring. I have a pie plate with a candle in it. And I have some water. I'm going to angle this so hopefully you can see it. I may not be able to see, but hopefully you can see it. Can you see my, my candle in my pie plate? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can you just sit still, please? No. You can sit right here, okay? You can help me. So um, this glass is us, and the candle is our hearts. Okay. And I have some food coloring I'll put in the pan so that you can see what's happening. Okay. All right. No. Now, no, we're going to talk about the fact that God's presence is all around us all the time. So we're going to put this water in here to represent God's presence. Can you see the water in there? Yeah. It's red. Red? Yeah, it's red. Can you see that? Yeah. Okay. But the problem is... God's presence isn't getting inside of us here. I don't know if you can see that there's nothing inside the glass except the candle. 
that's a problem because God wants to be all around us, but inside of us as well. So we need to do something with our heart. So we have to ask him in to our hearts. Yeah, into our hearts. And whoops, our heart has to be warm because if our heart is cold, God's love isn't going to fill it. So let's take this off a minute. I'm going to set this over here for a minute. And we're going to make our heart warm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't pull it out. All right. Now we have a warm heart going on in our lives. Let's see what happens with God being all around us. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but there is now. Oh, don't shake it. Don't mm -hmm. shake it. So the water inside the cup is now filling up. So God's presence is coming, oh, bless you, inside of us, in our hearts, not just around the outside, but actually inside of us. And that reminded me kind of like the temple there. God's cloud was there. But Solomon said, what can contain you? Not even the highest heavens or this building that I built. But he wants to be inside of us too. Yeah, so you can see the water went up inside. Yeah, the candle went out. Yeah. Okay. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are all around us. Help us to have hearts that are warm and loving for you so that your love and your presence can fill us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Barb. <laughs> Could have been a little better, but <laughs> we're dealing with what we hey, got. Hey, it's <laughs> awesome. We're doing this at home. <laughs> yep. Thank you. I miss singing. However... Okay, so um, I don't think it, it works to say the Lord's Prayer together on Zoom, kind of. It doesn't really probably work to do a responsive reading. So, but this um, passage from that the responsive reading is taken from is related to the sermon today. So I am going to read it myself um, and then I'll pray and then I will get into the, into our chat. This is a reading from, excerpted from 1 Kings chapter 6. In the 480th year after the Israelites came out of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, the second month, he began to build the temple of the Lord. In building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used. No hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. The word of the Lord came to Solomon. As for this temple you are building, if you follow my decrees, observe my laws, and keep all my commands and obey them, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David your father, and I will live among the Israelites and will not abandon my people Israel. 
So Solomon built the temple and completed it. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for um, what we're learning about the temple. We ask that you will help us to um, continue to learn, even in this different format, um, that we will hear from you and that we will be able to um, absorb what we're learning and have it make a difference in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I know that there is a kid present in Barb's space, um, but I think probably most of us have had interactions with kids at some point in our lives. Um, have you ever received a gift from a child? What's that like? It's pretty awesome because they're so innocent and anything they give you comes from the heart. Absolutely. I was going to say, mine's a leaf. Here's a leaf. Here's a leaf. I got a leaf from my niece one time. Do you still have it? No. No. <laughs> Sorry, Barb, go ahead. That's right. Ben likes to share everything. So he's always giving things, uh, whether it's a cookie, he'll take one for himself, but he'll give one to somebody else also. Um, the other Sunday, uh, Freddie had brought in little cars for Ben. He had intended them all for Ben, but then there were all the other kids there. So he decided to give them each one and give the rest to Ben. And Ben took the bag and kept handing them out to the other kids. Um, that to me is a gift <laughs> when, when he's giving things that were intended for him to others, that is like giving me a gift. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, my eldest niece used to be, really, she, it wasn't that she was unable to spell, she just didn't care about spelling at all, which is completely the opposite of how I am. <laughs> so, and she gave me this bracelet, it's just a simple circle bracelet, and attached a post-it note that said, to Auntie Jen, A-N-T-Y, and the gen might have only had one in. I don't know. I still have it <laughs> because it was from her. <laughs> so anyway, gifts from kids are special. And I think there's a little bit of a sense in which Solomon's temple is super magnificent, but it's kind of like a gift from a kid um, to somebody loved by that child. So let's backtrack a little bit um, what have we been saying is the, the point of a temple or what, what's God's idea behind temple? Well, it's a general meeting place where those that want to worship him can go. I mean, not that you have to, but formal if you, you know, want it, because we like, we can do this on Zoom, but we still love going to the church. So there's sure. just something about being in there. Temple's the place for God to hang out with his people. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not like God isn't everywhere. We know God is everywhere, but the temple is sort of the designated place where we and God are connecting. Um, so, so far, we're this is like number four, I guess, in the sermon series on temple. Um, what types of temple or what versions of temple have we seen so far? Tabernacle. Okay, tabernacle. Tent. Yeah, that's the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the tent. I was going to say, Paul took the easy one. No fair. <laughs> um, didn't All right, another we... one, Eden. Oh, I was just going to say that, Paul. Come ah. on. <laughs> I'm coming over there. Yes. Yes, Eden is the other one. Um, and then last week we saw that David wanted to make a temple for God, and God was kind of said, well, maybe not you, though. Um, <laughs> so do you think, we've talked about this a little bit, but do you think God actually wanted a human-made physical structure? Not really. Yeah, it's a little bit hard to tell. I mean, he seems sort of ambivalent about it. He says, where, last week he said, wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So it's not really clear. He did commission the tabernacle himself when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt. He, that's one of the things that he was doing when Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and the Israelites were building a golden calf. Um, God was giving Moses the law, but also telling him how to build this tabernacle. So he did want some kind of structure that sort of he and the Israelites were building together. Um, and the way that this passage goes, the one for today that Bernice read, we're going to see that regardless of whether a solid building, standing in place temple was really what God had in mind as his best idea, he established the work of his people's hands. And by the time of the dedication of that work, he loved the gift. He accepted it. So last week we talked kind of maybe a lot about what a mess David was. And Solomon was kind of a mess too, but we don't need to focus on that today. We're going to take a different slant. Um, he also had feelings and he was also broken. And so are we all. Um, it's, we don't, so we don't need to talk about that aspect of how, how God wanted the temple or whatever. It is good to note for the future of this sermon series, it's good to note um, that there's a possibility that the temple wasn't maybe God's best idea, but um, we don't actually need to debate did he want it or didn't he want it. We just need to be aware that it's it's not totally clear. Well, there's something too that um, the way that he built it though, he used that entire construction process as a lesson for uh, how we relate to him. So we are going to get there, <laughs> but maybe not in the way you think. <laughs> that is today, though. That is what we're going to talk about. I even have pictures. Um, so God, in any case, fulfills his promise to David. And in doing that, he demonstrates 
in this fulfilling this part of the promise, your son is going to build the temple. Um, he demonstrates that he is able to fulfill the rest of the promise, the establishing the house for David and the future of the people and the future of all people. Um, and we'll, we're going to see, like I said, that God accepts the gift. God accepts this gift very dramatically. Um, and as Paul just said, the design of the temple was structured intentionally in a sort of symbolic way. And it models the design of the original tabernacle, which God did commission. Um, it's just more permanent and it's even more ornate. So the tabernacle had a, and the temple had a specific design and I'm gonna try to share my screen so you can see it. All right, you guys see this picture? Yeah. So this is the side view and this is looking down from the top and you can see that there's this vestibule and then there's the holy place. This is kind of where most of the priests did most of their work. And then there's the Holy of Holies and the Holy of Holies is right here where the Ark of the Covenant is, um, which we read about a couple of weeks ago. So um, this idea is in the, in the law that God gave to Moses, um, it was very clear that God was setting apart, even though God wants to have a relationship with all humans and with all of his creation and bless the whole world, God was setting apart a specific people through whom to accomplish that. And so there's a lot of, um, in the law, there's a lot of imagery of separateness and distinction and, and sort of keep these things in this category and don't blend them with these things in this other category. And that is sort of depicted in this model. And so we see, here's an outer court. Well, here's the outside. There's this sea, they called it. It was a washing basin and it was built on top of these like bowls. They made these carved bowls that held it up and um, any of the people could be around here. And then specific people could go in here, probably the men. I think this model changed a little bit by the time of Herod's temple or the second temple. Um, and so foreigners and women could be out here, men could be in here, the priests would be in here. And then one priest, the high priest, maybe once a year for the day of atonement would come in here. But there was a curtain there, especially by the time of the New Testament, there was a curtain there. That one gets torn in two when Jesus uh, dies on the cross. So there's this significant separation here. Um, there's, it's very intentional. It, there's a lot of detail about how Solomon put this together. Um, it talks about not only the structure, but also the basin that we just talked about and there, and all of the little details, like the pillars had these carvings of pomegranates around them and chains and stuff. And, um, and the bulls that were holding up the sea and cherubim over the ark. It almost sounds, the way the passage we read today describes it, it almost sounds like there were cherubim carved onto the ark itself, but it kind of sounds like in the Holy of Holies, Solomon commissioned 
really big cherubim as part of the structure that were over the whole thing. So it's super ornate, it's super glorious, and all of these things, plants, carved plants and, and chains and bulls and cherubim, they and a sea, they reflect all the different parts of God's creation, right? So the God separates the water from the waters. We have this basin that's the sea, and God uh, makes the dry land and plants appear. And so there's these pomegranates on all the pillars. And then the animals appear. And so there are bulls under the, um, under the wash basin. And the cherubim, of course, represent the spiritual beings that God has also created. So all of this is part of the creation. It, it echoes back to creation and what God's intention was for people all along. And then, so the temple is completed and Solomon commissions this great big dedication service. He's not a priest. So it's actually kind of remarkable that he is able to sort of lead this service. Um, he's not, that's not necessarily his role. And there are some kings in the future who will try to do a priest's job and it does not go well for them. <laughs> um, but God obviously really did want Solomon to be the one to build this temple and he is doing it and he calls together all the, the passage says all the elders and all the chiefs of the people and all the people. And then there, it says there were more sacrifices that could then could be counted that's unusual. The Bible often puts numbers in and, and a lot of times the numbers that the Bible records are not symbolic and they're not meant to be taken literally. They just mean a lot. But in this case, they don't even bother putting a number. <laughs> it's just, you couldn't even count these. There's not even a fake number we could put on here or, or a symbolic number. There's just lots. Um, so this, I mean... I think to our modern perspectives, it might sound a little rough that the animals participate in this dedication by dying. Um, there's probably some things we can unpack about that, but, but they are part of this. And it's so interesting the way that the writer of First Kings puts this because I'm gonna try to find it again. All of the people and all of the elders and all of the priests show up and it says that um, well, I forget what what for oh, the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and overshadowed the ark and its carrying pole. So it actually sounds like the way it's written, um, oh, good question, Kathleen. Where would the sacrifices have been made? I think in the outer court, but well, no, maybe the altar is inside that, that holy place. That might be right. Anyway, I don't know. We can talk about it later. Um, but the cherub, it says the cherubim are spreading their wings. So it actually, these are carved cherubim. Obviously they're not really cherubim, but it almost sounds like they are moving. They're, everybody's having this celebration and they're offering sacrifices and they're praising God and the cherubim cover the ark. It's just a really interesting insertion um, into this 
description of what people are doing, the cherubim are doing something too. So everybody is getting in on this celebration in some way. And then we have, we didn't read all of this because it's super long, but Solomon prays a prayer of dedication and it's really beautiful. And I encourage you, I'm going to read some parts of it, but I encourage you after this to go and look at that passage again and really see what he is praying and how he's dedicating, because I think it's a good prayer for us to pray ourselves for ourselves and for our church. He first, he starts out praising God for the choice of his father, David, and that God fulfills his promises. And then he kind of reminds himself and everybody and even God about the covenant law. This covenant law means that there is an agreement between God and the people of Israel. And then he outlines his hopes and his intention for the temple, and they echo God's hopes and intentions for creation and humanity. So in verse 25, he says, keep for your servant, David, my father, the promises you made to him. And then in verses 27 to 30, he talks about, he, he asks God, please hear the prayers, not just of me, but of all the kings and all the people from this place. And there is an idea that um, throughout this prayer, and then in other parts of the of the Old Testament, that people would actually turn towards the temple. If they couldn't be physically at the temple, they would turn towards the temple for their prayers. In verses 31 to 32, he prays about justice being done among God's people. He says, judge between your servants, condemning the guilty by bringing down on their heads what they have done and vindicating the innocent by treating them in accordance with their innocence. In verses 33 to 34, he talks about the possibility of national defeat due to sin, and he asks that God will make them repentant and forgive. In verses 35 to 40, he talks about the possibility of natural disaster. He um, notes drought or plague, huh. <laughs> or blight or locusts. And then he says, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. In verses 41 to 43, he says, accept the prayers of foreigners so that your name can go throughout the earth. This is really unique. Um, that this Israelite king is praying for foreigners. He is distinctly echoing what God really wants the whole purpose that God has set apart his people Israel. It is for all peoples throughout the earth. And so he prays that he wants, he, he's basically saying, God, if people that aren't part of us pray to you, accept their prayers too, so that your name can go out, because that's what God wanted. In verses 44 to 45, he asks God to uphold his people's cause against their enemies. In 46 to 51, he says, God, when you need to discipline your people for sin, when they acknowledge their sin and repent, please restore them. He doesn't assume that God is going to do that. He's just, he is intentional about asking for that. He knows that people mess up. He messed up. <laughs> um, and so 
he is asking for what he hopes God will do, even though he knows from God's character that God will most likely do it. He is affirming that and asking for it. Verses 52 to 53, he says, may your eyes be open to your servant's plea and to the plea of your people Israel, and may you listen to them whenever they cry out to you, for you singled them out from all the nations of the world to be your own inheritance, just as you declared through your servant Moses, when you, sovereign Lord, brought our ancestors out of Egypt. And then he prays this paragraph that I think is so important for all followers of God, all followers of Jesus, even to pray in verses 56 to 61. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees, and laws he gave to our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. So he's basically saying, God, please listen and please remember, don't forsake us, help us not to forsake you Keep an eye on us every day and keep these prayers that we're praying right now close to your heart so that all the people on earth can know you. And all of us, let's remain fully committed to God. At the end of the day, who we are and what we do is dependent on God. But we are responsible to remain committed to him, to cooperate with him in his work. This is what the temple is. God is the one who initiates. God is the one who we love because he first loved us. God is the one who helps us to stay connected to him, but we are still responsible to stay connected to him and to cooperate with him in the work that he's doing. So that's what Solomon's prayer is asking. He is essentially, in a way, explaining through his prayer what the temple was supposed to be all along. Um, but it also recognizes, his prayer also recognizes that nothing on earth, not even the magnificent temple, can contain God, like Barb showed us. Nothing can contain God. So the cataphatic, the created, the visible, the speakable, the expressible, the touchable, that can never express fully all of who God is or what God is like. And so the, the second part that Bernice read this morning expresses that. Will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, Lord God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day. And hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear, forgive. And after Solomon prays his whole long prayer, God confirms his presence. In verses 10 to 13, it says, When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. 
for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. This is now God's temple. Wherever the idea came from, whether God really needed this or wanted it or not, it is God has accepted it as his temple. He has filled it up so much that the priests can't even do their job <laughs> because it is just full of God. Um, God accepted this gift that was David's idea and Solomon's commission the same way he accepted the tabernacle in Exodus, which he himself had commissioned Moses and Bezalel and Aholiab and the Israelites to build. In Exodus 40, verses 34 and 35, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Does it sound the same to you? It's the same exact thing happened. God honors what is dedicated to him. Solomon knows and God knows that the temple cannot contain God. But God is so excited about any kind of fulfillment of his plan to overlap with humanity that he tries to be contained, sort of, first by the tabernacle and then by the temple. But he can't be contained by it. So forget the holy of holies, forget the holy place, forget even the courtyard. God just fills the whole thing up with apparently smoke or something like smoke in both stories god's glory is so great that neither Mo moses nor the priests of solomon's day can get in there to do their jobs it's almost like the best way for god to express himself cataphatically isn't through buildings or objects or nature or places but any guesses through a human being. Oh. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, <laughs> but I mean, we, I think we know that when God tries to contain himself, the only thing that he successfully did that in was Jesus. And we are supposed to be modeling ourselves on Jesus. We are supposed to be becoming like Jesus. If God can express his glory so powerfully in a building that's dedicated to him, just imagine what he could do in a life dedicated to him or a group of lives like Central Baptist Church. Let's pray. We're just going to pray a version of Solomon's prayer. God, will you really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this church. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and our plea for mercy, Lord our God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servants are praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this church night and day this place of which you said, my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servants pray here. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Amen.